Mike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steeride! How am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. But what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to Frantically Refreshing Twitter, an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Madibedi, my very good friend. Bradley Adams, a.k.a. has read the same post from Fabrizio Romano nine times to describe the same situation. Guys, total agreement between Arsenal and going for players. Arsenal are going to sign players this summer, guys. I'm going to... It's I'm going to happen. Totally convinced, guys. He does just sort of recycle the same information. About 15 times. Yeah. See, this is... I saw this. This is why I love Orny. Yeah. I the Orny bomber. That's it. The Orny... There's no messing around. There's, he's just out of nowhere. He just terms agreed. You're like, there we go. Love it. Fabrizio, he's, he's on the payroll. Do you buy all that? Do you buy that he's like on the payroll of clubs and stuff? I think he's, I mean, from some of the stuff I've seen, it looks like he's on the payroll of Chelsea because he's like retweet because like a couple of Chelsea Twitter people have like started YouTube channels and Fabrizio's like retweeted their posts about it to like get them traction mm. and stuff. So mm. I do reckon he's on the the payroll of certain. I mean, ultimately it's an industry and, you know, if you're offered, you know, hey, for a retweet, we'll give you, we'll give you 200 quid. Like, He's also not <laughs> a journalist, I don't think. In this, like, in the same way that, like, David Ornstein works for the athletic writing pieces and covering stuff as a journalist. His job is, like, covering the transfer market on Twitter. Um, like, yeah. I, do you know what I mean? So, no, it's true. It's between, point. between, um, transfer windows he's got to make money somehow and he's got to generate stories and clicks somehow and keep keep things going so like it's not it's not that i think he shouldn't be doing it but i definitely think that that's that's of course it's happening of course it's happening yeah. and and yeah. The, the thing is is every every journal journalist is quote unquote on the payroll in a certain way anyway because they're given the information that the, that the clubs want to give them so mm. i've been accused of being on Cronky's payroll so well he did text you didn't he he did he did <laughs> he did text me it's so i did a tweet the other day and i was just like i've got some information coming up and then i and then i it was obviously a joke where i took a screenshot of a whatsapp picture and said hi guys it's stan Cronky. please go outside and yet still people were like why is he texting you what what what, what does this mean <laughs> Please, please touch some grass. Welcome back to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Total agreement between Alexander Penny and Rally Adams to do a podcast today. No George Vutsats. It's more than complicated. He's it a stag do, guys. Is it Vutsas a stag do, guys? George Vutsas and stag do, it's, it's a done deal. They're on a stag do, guys. Um, so George will not be joining us, uh, but he is on a stag do. So I hope he's having a nice time. I guarantee he's not listening to this. George no. gives me the vibe that once... <laughs> 
<laughs> once he leaves the uh, the podcasting suite, he's not listening. <laughs> oh god, no! Oh god, but no. you listen to you, li- you listen back to every episode, don't you? Yep. Oh, what what a pro! So listen, there's stuff to get to, isn't there, Brad? There's there stuff is. to get. Rice and Caicedo. There's stuff to get. To. Rice and Caicedo. There's shush, shush. So I want to talk. Rice and Caicedo. Yes. Okay. Shush, oh my shush, god. Guys. Okay. <laughs> Anyone that tweets Rice and Caicedo at us for the next six weeks is getting blocked. You will be unblocked when the transfer window ends. You virgins. Look, we should we should discuss. Obviously, that is like the, the news on every everyone's lips. There's nothing new to discuss, though. Like, we, there's no more meat on that bone. And I refuse to go near that conversation if there's nothing to actually talk about. So, yes, Rice and Caicedo. There, there you go. You've had, it's had its mention. Yeah. But it's something that, like, you know, look, we're, we're seeing uh, pretty unreliable reports saying, oh, so I'm going to put in a bid tomorrow or whatever. Let's not worry about that. Let's wait for the Orny Bomber. We'll come back to that at some point. What we can talk about and what is definitely confirmed is Manchester City's treble, which I am pretty pleased about, has to be said, because, I mean... I thought it'd be funny if they bottled it. I thought it'd be so funny. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, it kind of would be, but also, I think for, for the sake of the sport and for the sake of the Premier League, it's probably best that Pep moves on at some point. <laughs> and I was pretty happy to see that all happen and go through, because I just thought, firstly, it shits on Man United's legacy. Secondly, it means that Pep is going to move on. Probably, if that, if this didn't happen, it probably adds another year to his his contract or whatever. Supposedly, there's some reports coming out from from various pretty reliable news sources that he is going to be moving on. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on the trouble? I mean, I think Gunner Blog summed it up pretty well. It, you can the idea that this is some romantic story of City finally winning a. It's like Draco Malfoy becoming the seeker for Slytherin and just buying them all like really good brooms, like. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it is just like that. Yeah, it's yeah. literally. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like if you're playing. No, no. This is what it is. You're playing. You're playing. You're playing your PS5. Right. You're playing this new game, and like you're grinding. You're doing well, and then some cunt just comes along with a credit card and buys all the good shit and just absolutely destroys you. Terrible at the game, but just the money helps. Yeah, it's not some romantic, beautiful story. But no. I have to say, I on the from the players, from an athletic point of view, I teared up at Grealish because like you can oh. see how much it means for someone like Jack Grealish, who's you know come through, been rejected from clubs, and you know had his times out of teams and all that sort of stuff. Had his doubts. I love how honest he is. I really like rate him as a player. But yeah, thoughts on that sort of happening um, and how you see it sort of affecting things moving forward? Because I I I was mainly pleased that it feels like from our perspective. They've done that now, and can Pep please leave? Yeah, it's it's disappointing in the sense that, like, obviously, sports washing and seeing that actually kind of successfully being completed. Well, I mean, it's they, they they sports wash. I'm not talking even about the 150 financial breaches in terms of painting a a much brighter light on who owns the club and um and kind of the people who run it, and and that level of the kind of sports washing ideas. Um, it's disappointing to kind of, this is the first, I think, one of those clubs that's won the Champions League. You know, um, PSG haven't done it yet. Newcastle are very early on in their cycle. Um, and it's disappointing in that sense. But after we lost the league to them, I kind of wanted it to happen anyway. I think it would have been funny if they bottled it, but it shits on United's legacy. The invisible season is now the only accomplishment in English football that stands alone. Um 
you can all go talk to your fucking back gardens about it if you want. But that's that that is the truth. And yeah, I mean, like you say, I can shit on the alleged breaches and the way that they've gone about it and the way that they've done it. But for for those players and for like some of the staff who've probably been there for decades, like it's amazing for them. And I'm pleased for them. I'm also pleased for Pep, actually. Like, I, I, I also think, you know, for me, he is the greatest manager of all time. Yeah. And the thing is, I saw this as well. There was uh, something that came out and it said something like, this is the worst Champions League um, group ever. Or like, you know, the worst ever yeah. clubs that are going to be in the Champions League. And for me, that's it's so juvenile and Twitter and social media and every, everyone's got to be taken down. I remember this great quote from one of my... Um, one of our now favourite artists, Matty Healy, um, who uh, Brad's massively into the 1975 uh, now, by the way, uh, having said that I was a loser for, li- for liking them. My favorite did band. I call you a loser? Anyway, you almost certainly did. Anyway, Matty once said that it, we can never have another Elvis, we can never have another Prince, we can never have another Michael Jackson. Because now, if like Michael Jackson did the moonwalk, then the third comment on Twitter is he's just walking backwards. Like nothing can, nothing can exist. And there's, there's you know positive elements to that, and you know truth outs a lot more. I think on social media, uh, and people are held accountable more in some senses. But there's also you know you could argue that there's there's too much of that, and there's too much of people not allowing people to move on. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Point being that I don't think clubs are allowed to build up the status and the uh, the sort of weight as, as dynasties as much anymore, like certainly not in the present moment. And, you know, even when watching the Champions League of the night, it, it was all sort of slightly postmodern and, and, and slightly uh, deconstructed anyway. It was sort of like, oh, they're making history right now as we speak. It's like you can't talk about that in the present moment. Like you have to talk about that down the line and i think with pep he's doing his achievements in the social media era in the era where everything is immediately deconstructed in the era where everything is immediately well you haven't done this you haven't done that in the tacticos era where everyone becomes financial analysts and experts and yeah and everyone's an expert and everyone's got an opinion of course and look we're part of that ecosystem let's you know let's not lie but but look i love that someone of his who has let's be clear revolutionized the game of football who has Let's be clear, some of the greatest future managers now look like they're going to be from people who've either worked under Pep, worked with Pep, worked around Pep um, and coming from his ideas. So for me personally, in terms of the health of the game, dynasties being formed, I love that he's been able to do that thing and shut people up. And I also love that he mentioned that he sees clips on Twitter, which confirms that he has a burner account, which I always Oh yeah, (laughs) he definitely has a burner account. Definitely has a burner account. He is no new thing. (laughs) <laughs> I hope not. We also got the news, Bradley, uh, moving away from City and back to our beloved Arsenal, that William Saliba, uh, since we last recorded, when was it last Monday, that William Saliba's leaving the contract. He's obviously leaving. We sent him on loan two times. He must be leaving. He's gone. I mean, not sure you can make that joke, but okay. <laughs> Brad was uh, pretty vociferous in his... Uh, <laughs> In his criticism of Mikel Arteta, I wouldn't uh, he sent those sensibly right on low, but anyway. The second um, time, yes, because I felt yep. that we could have bought a striker. But, I mean, it's all works out well. It has worked out well. Um, anyway, uh, Saliba signed his contract. I don't think there's any debate of whether this is good news or not. No, it's um, terrible news. But, yeah, sorry. Awful yeah. news. Very bad. But what a, the, the, the interesting conversation, maybe in the, the, the meat on the bone that it sparked for me, 
is around the idea of contract length. Um, I think we can talk about the the good work that Edu and Richard and stuff, et cetera, et cetera, have done. We're now like the fourth most valuable squad in the world, which is, you know, and apparently ter- terrible at his job, but, but, you know, we've got the fourth most valuable squad in the world. It shows that, you know, I appreciate there's some way to go in, in terms of proving um, his, his quality in terms of selling players, but, you know, we have to give credit where credit's due. And I think it's in line uh, in terms of the, the, the reported salary. I've always but, thought, by the so, way, just to cut in for two seconds there, you if you look at the kind of players we've been having to try and sell, and we've also, this is the first summer we've been in a position of strength. Exactly. Like, it's really hard, it's really hard to sell fucking dross when the team also looks dross. The reason that Liverpool were able to get high fees for people like Rian Brewster is because they were winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues. Yeah. And so the offcuts then look better. Yeah, you sell, you sell from a position of strength and, and yeah. we haven't been in that. And also, there's a question of who are you selling to? So people yeah. are like, oh, sell them to Sevilla. It's like, Sevilla have like a net spend of like 3 million. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can, you're not going to get hundreds of millions for them. Anyway, the so yeah, good work from Edu and Richard, but I feel like that kind of goes unsaid. The more interesting part for me is, is the contract length because people have had some issues with that, with the idea of a kind of four-year deal going to lay my cards on the table and I'd be interested in your your take on it. I kind of find it a little bit bizarre that there's been such a backlash to They always the idea. find something to care about. Yeah, and, and I'm also careful of like painting like all fans in like, you know, a minority voice. Yeah. But I also think there is there is some weight behind it that the idea of a four-year contract isn't good enough. And I want to say that I think this is ultimately the modern game. And when you're dealing with, and this is part of the kind of culture shift that I've spoken about before on various podcasts about us being ruthless. When you're a club that are trying to get to the echelons of the Real Madrid's and the Man City's and whatever, you are never out of contract talks with players. You're never out of contract talks. And in two years time, whether you give them a 15 year deal or a two year deal, you will be speaking to them about a new contract. Because ultimately, in two years time, we're going to have a lot of a clearer idea William Saliba is a Champions League, Premier League winning, challenging, certainly, t- uh, centre-back. And that's what's so exciting about him. And if we're, we've regressed in two years' time, or we don't look like we're on a path to do that, at least, he is going to be saying, in two years' time, regardless of the fees we give him, regardless of the length of contract, let's talk. What's happening? Are you going to be signing players that can get us there? What's the project to get us there? Can I be yeah. on in in line with you know the new wages of the new centre back that's come out and that you know Delict's just got a new contract and whatever you know Harry Maguire's remontada he's earning this why aren't I earning that and wages inflate over time so I the idea that okay yes it would be great if it was a six year deal because of amortisation but I I think when you're dealing at the top 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 level you you Jude Bellingham's maybe go to Madrid and sign a six year contract because of the, the position that they're in but realistically as arsenal we have a lot to prove so i think we're not the, I, we're in a position of strength we're not in the position of strength exactly we you know with saka and saliba they're, they're going look i want to be here but in two years time like I, I need to know that we're going in the right direction i think that's absolutely fair so I, I i just don't see the issue with it but yeah i mean there is no issue with it like it's fine it protects the club from both angles as well in that Saliba's just had a really bad back injury, might not be coming back to 100% of what he once was. 
We don't know. We we don't know. I don't think it's going to be a problem. But we've seen clubs, especially this one, give out very, very long contracts on very, very big wages to players who look very, very good and then turn very, very shit very, very quickly. Four years is a good amount of time. It, and like you say, the only reason to care about this is if you actually believe that we're going to be in a shitter situation than we are currently in two years' time. Mm. So unable to negotiate. Yeah, you know. Point. I don't think we'll be in a worse situation. I think we'll be in a better one. So I don't think it'll matter. Yeah. No, that's very true. And, and I imagine, you know, part of the thinking of, of Chelsea getting those those ridiculous contracts, which is probably, you know, slightly skewed the... It's the fucked them perception. as well. They can't yeah, spend yeah, yeah. money. It's so, like... I, like, uh, it, do you know who... Like, it's so stupid, people bitching and moaning about four-year contracts when half a mile down the fucking road or whatever, we're seeing a club financially hitch their cart to horses that cannot carry it for eight years. Mm. Like... And I imagine a, a part of that is thinking, well, we don't really know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. Like, you know, we, we'll see with Pochettino, but no one can... No one at Chelsea can look you in the eye and say we know we have a, a very specific range of outcomes where we think what we think is going to happen. Man City can look you in the eye and say we're going to come first or second. The worst case scenario, we come third, but there's a range of outcomes. Who knows? Chelsea could sack their manager mid-season. They get like there's so many range of outcomes, and this is why I think when they get players in, they go right. Let's <laughs> partly let's get them on these long-term deals because we need we need stability. You know, it's almost like a reaction to the instability at, mm. at club level. So yeah, I, I find it really bizarre. I mean, I suppose look, fans want that security, and I get that, but I also think we look in from an outside perspective, and we have kind of Arsenal fan PTSD panicking about those you know, deals that ran out and stuff. But I think it's just about accepting that we are in a different space. We're not in late Wenger. We're in we're in a new squad building period where we're we will have to be talking about new contracts with everyone. You know, City offering Haaland a new deal this summer. <laughs> it's like, you know, it happens. All of you, you need to look at yourselves as well and go, if I'm Saliba in this situation, and if I'm Saka in this situation, had a great season, but ultimately we fell at the last hurdle. And I'm seeing other clubs not fall at the last hurdle. And I'm being brought to the table to talk about a new contract. I'm not going to hitch my entire... F I'm not going to... Everyone is going to learn from the Harry Kane situation. We can't laugh at Spurs and how stupid they are and how stupid Kane has been by, you know, hitching his entire prime to just uselessness. And then not expect other people to learn from that mistake. You know, it's, it, it is unfortunately just part of the ecosphere now. And Wenger said it would happen that players run down their contracts more. Contract lengths are, are you know, getting shorter. And they will look at the situation that Kane was in when he wanted to leave two summers ago with three years on his deal. And they were quoting like 150, 100 and whatever million pounds to get him out. And no one would pay. And no club's going to pay that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, and I think I think clubs are getting smarter, but that mm -hmm. means players and, and and agents get smarter. And yep. and that's the new ecosystem. You know, people aren't one club men. And I'll sign. You know, put anything in, in front of me. You've got to maximise your earnings potential. It's completely. Some players might be like Martinelli, for example, seems very much. And this isn't a dig at Saka, and this isn't a dig at at Saliba in any way. But Martinelli seems to be very one club orientated 
in the media. But one thing that I will say, if Arsenal go to shit in the next couple of years and we're back to finishing eighth or whatever, he's not going to stay. No, he loves the club, Brad. He loves the club. He loves the club. I'll tell you what, by the way, did you watch Soccer Ed yesterday? No. Wilshire still got it, mate. He's oh, unreal. He's techie he is, baller. He like obviously the physicality isn't there. Like he's like jogging around, but he's also a U 18s coach. Like, he's not going to be fully fit. But his technique and his anticipation and his understanding of the game and space, even in a soccer aid game, he looked unreal. So look, when we go to shit, Wilshire can come back. Ten year deal. Wilshire. Wilshire. Bergovic. Bergovic. <laughs> Me too. Fellaini. Williams. Get your money out, buddy. Okay, next topic, Brad. We had some links this week to Dun 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 Timothy Castagna. No. Um I've already said this on, on our on our little Twitter group and it's been screenshotted that I will shit in my hands and clap if he is at the Emirates come September. It's not happening. I refuse to believe it. Are you that sure? It feels like quite an it feels like quite an Arteta signing for for a, num- for a number of reasons. Uh, they can play both sides. Prem experienced. I, I, what I think. What I think he. What I th- and he's also a different option in terms of he's a bit more sort of front footed. I I don't see him techy enough to come into midfield. But hey, what do I know? As I say, it always depends on where McKelsey's the the team developing, and I I'm of the opinion that we're going to start seeing a both sides invert or the option certainly to invert on both sides but i it reeks to me of a kind of option like you know would castagna be interested if we can't do for example the caicedo move if we can't get the fresneda move if we can't the problem is is what happens is is we get arsenal interested in 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 um uh castagna and then you don't hear you don't take that in context of like yes but they're also interested in these players he might be seventh on the list yeah do you know what i mean so That's why I don't, don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't... What do you think of the player himself? No clue, mate. <laughs> I'm just going to be totally honest with you. No, 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 fair. No fair, fucking clue. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could sit here and spout some bullshit, but I mean, other than his defensive numbers look pretty good, but yeah. that's in a team that's that's faced a lot of traffic this season. So yeah. I don't know how he would be playing a style of football which is massively ball dominant and massively you know about how good his technique is I, I you know I'm unsure I don't think listen it would not be the worst move in the world but I think that there are like a couple of very talented 18 19 year olds out there who could do as good a job but have the growing potential to do more so wouldn't be my first choice, but I don't know enough about the player to really comment on how he'd fit in or blah blah blah. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's again. I, I, you know, my my knowledge is limited. His numbers look good when I've watched him. He's he's pretty physically robust. Um, he's got some decent technique. He's he's pretty good in the final third in terms of cutbacks and stuff. So I think there's there's something there. As I said, I don't know. I don't know the player to 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 a point of being able to go. You know, this is exactly how I see him fitting in. I imagine he's one of many names on a list. But it's also interesting, like, I feel like what happens, and I, I tweeted this, like, Arsenal fans get some bad news and they're like, oh my God. Oh my, it's, the, no. It's, it's over. It's, it's over. over. Sack the board. Sack the board, sack the manager, liquidate the club. And then they get some good news and it's like. We're mm, back. We're generational. 
<laughs> no, it's more. It's to be honest, I see is maybe in my uh, my Arsenal sphere. It's like don't trust him unless it's Orny, unless it's Fab. I don't buy it. And I'm like, okay, so you're willing to to take the bad news, but you're not willing to take the good news, which is <laughs> completely bizarre. But yeah, I, I I have a a feeling that it's probably a name on a list somewhere. That but also, and again, this is this is something that like I think people get in their heads about. From what I understand about recruitment processes, you have a profile in mind. And again, the more specific you can be, the better. And I think that's where Arsenal have done very well. And you go, right, well, here's the names on the list. Here's the names who fit that profile based on a statistical report, based on an analytical report, based on, uh, you know, can the deal be done, based on the eye test, based on scouting, based on conversations with the player. You know, there's so much work that goes in before you make that first initial contact. But I imagine Castagna is is probably just a name on a list somewhere. They go, yeah, you know, he could be a decent option. And I think what happens as well is Covers left because we blah, 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 blah. Yeah. because we've been signing the future of the position most of the time. I think people hear a name like Castagna and go, "Oh my god, no!" Because they think five years. And it's like, well, Castagna could just be here for a year. Sim- similar to Jorginho, it's like you don't have to sign the future of the position every single window, and not every signing is the future of the position. It may well be that this is an evolution. Yeah, and one thing I did say, and I do think it's going to happen, is we have to understand there's like fourteen players on the way out of the club. What's likely to happen this summer is we will get the big main target over the line in Declan Rice um, or whoever whoever that main target is. It's Declan Rice. It's Declan Rice. Well, I don't think we'll get Caicedo yet. I think it's, this is what I mean by I think it's going to be a long summer because doing that many transactions out of the club is going to be very, it's going to be a lot of work. And like you say, there's not a lot of money in Europe. There's... It's it's difficult to sell to that market. So I think that we have to be prepared and be ready that it's going to be a bit of a drawn out process while we do get players like Rob Holding and Nicola Pepe and kind of moved on. Um, it's, it's, you know, unfortunate and there will be some transfer targets that are affected by that. I can see us missing out on a Fresneda because we don't have the squad space to bring him in before another club because yeah, no, very true. you can't we've done such good work with the wage bill it would be borderline suicidal to bring if let's say let's say our five signings because we usually make between four and five uh rice caicedo um fresneda burgovic but like and the other two like a center back and a winger let's say we bring them all in uh, the, the, as the window opens Every club then knows that we're just desperate to sell. And then we cu- we get to September and Pepe's still here. And Cedric hasn't gone. And all of these players who are on big wages are going to, you know, eat into future budget plans and, and could have a real affect on, on what we want to achieve. And we don't want to be put like that. So unfortunately, rather than other summers, I think this summer is one where we might have to take a little bit of pain and, and a little bit of time yeah. And that's probably why we're seeing names like Castagna as options in the case of, for example, we miss out on Fresneda, Castagna, fine. For two years, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you have assets that you can sell, like, uh, you know, for, if you're trying to sell, who was it? Kalasanach. No, I, 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 I think oh, he's contract runner. It's like, it did, yeah. you, you, okay, sure, you can wait and get an extra two million. 
But like, what's the point? But now, because we have assets to sell, that could be the difference between 5, 10, 15 million for like, a, say, a Balogun or something, you know, towards the end of a window or to get the right price or to negotiate or whatever. So, yeah, I think when you do have a bit more, when, when you are in a position of strength, these things can take a, a little bit more time. So I, I agree. I, th- I think we're going to have to be quite patient. I've always said, I think we'll get a big, I think we'll get a big thing done. I think that will be rice. Um, and then I think we're going to have to wait. I think we we'll have to see, you know, a couple in, couple out, couple in, couple out, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, for a little while. Speaking of which, preseason is starting to take shape. Um, the vague sort of preseason schedule is apparently we're back on July the thirteenth uh, with uh, Nuremberg away. We've got an MLS All Stars game uh, six days later. A couple of days later, we've got United in New York, Barca in LA. Then I think we've got the well, we've got the Emirates Cup. Uh, Monaco at home on August the 2nd. Then we've got Man City in the Community Shield, which will be nice on August the 6th. I think that'll be a very interesting game, actually, just to kind of see where we're where we're at, how we adapt, how we how we approach that game. Um but yeah, things starting to to take shape in terms of in terms of preseason. Looking ahead to preseason, what are you hoping for? Um two things. Firstly, I'm hoping we see some Obviously, some some new tra- new players, but also from the academy, I'd like to see uh, Wilshire name checked uh, Miles Lewis Skelly the other day. I'd like to see a few a few academy players come through because all it takes is one game. All it takes is a couple of moments, to be honest, before fans go, yeah, 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 you know. And um, you know, the club shouldn't be swayed by that, but I think we should, you know, certainly have a look at them, give them the opportunity. The likes of Bandera and Nanueri, if he's staying, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And secondly, I think it's something that. Another thing that Walsh said was uh, about our evolution and about how, um, you know, he, he feels as though he said he said he was on the Ben Foster podcast. And he said something like, this is an inf- inside information, but I feel like Arteta last summer went, right, I'm going to evolve the team and change with Zinchenko. And he said, I feel like he's going to do it again this summer. And that's something that in preseason, do you remember that Chelsea game in yeah. Orlando where it was? I that's when from, we really started to see things, yeah. Yeah, massive step up. So I'm actually really excited. I don't. I don't think we'll see. There's only so far you can go. You can't beat people four nil again. You can't go eight nil, twelve nil next summer. You know, whatever. But I think we'll see. I'm excited for the the evolution of the team. I think that's something yeah. I'd like to see. I'd like to see some changes. The new some, dynamics. Some new dynamics. But yeah, what you what you're hoping for from preseason? Um, other than Williams, Michu, Bergerbeck, and Fellaini lining up. Um, I mean, it, pre-se- I find preseason fun. So it's a good, it's a good way to just get back into the swing of the football season, watch the club again. Obviously, I think that it'd be great to have a couple of new faces through the door. Whether that's Rice and and one more would be great, but I don't, uh, that's not kind of mandatory for me. Um, I, I like you. I, I think um, giving players like Lewis Skelly, maybe Cozy Dubry. Um, an, an opportunity. I don't want to see Bukayo Saka. I, I, the boy needs a rest. <laughs> Give him the summer game, off. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Just t- t- tell him to go to like, Magaluf and just sit on a beach, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm just excited to kind of get back into it and like see the team and see these new dynamics in play. Um, but, you know, until we until we start seeing the picture in front of our faces and I think that with transfers, we'll we'll know what those dynamics are quite quickly. If we sign a Caicedo as well as a Rice, that tells you the dynamic kind of shifts already and that we might be looking to invert on both the left and the right. But 
you know, there could be some surprises in there. It's terribly exciting. It is indeed. We'll be back with lots of, we've got lots of questions, Bradley. Lots of questions. Lots to get through. Uh, So we'll be talking all sorts, um, got all sorts of questions, mostly about Rising Caicedo. Absolutely. uh, You're all getting blocked. (laughs) And you're all getting blocked. (laughs) We'll see you. After this. Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Welcome back to the second half of the show. Thank you to those of you who are in the Different Knock Members Club. Join at Patreon.com and get access to the exclusive Discord server. Join it. Add free versions of all of our content, including many Join bonus it. podcasts, instant, re- instant reactions, the rewatch, and bonus video content for just £3 a month. Of one time support, head to buymeacoffee.com for slash review. You can buy me a coffee. Inflation. Expensive. In show description. Coffee, please. Well, you said you were hungover. You were at a Brazilian, what were you? Street party thing. Oh, mate, oh, I'm hanging Brazilian on my ass. street party. Uh, it's, from fr- it's friends from when I worked at Madame Tussauds. One of them's Brazilian. And um, she, she wanted to go to this thing. And I, I haven't hung out with them in ages uh, because of work, the job and stuff. And and they were like, oh, uh, they were like, they invited me. And I was like, it, it just coincided with timing wise. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. And then I was drinking Aperol spritzes like all for like five hours and I don't really drink. So it had me on the floor. <laughs> I was Was there a uh, a certain Brazilian on the barbecue by chance? Or? Oh yeah, you know there was. I got that insider <laughs> knowledge, baby. <laughs> Imagine rocking up at a Brazilian street party and Edu is there. That would the be o- fucking lit. The only thing, the only thing that I have to say is be excited i would say be excited i would say bread chair has asked us a yanam, question yanam via to arsenal is done here we go guys total agreement between yan umvia william carvalho gonzalo higuain to arsenal total agreement he is not going arsenal, to saudi arteta and edu more than important guys more than important are we re- this is bread chair has asked this question a chair made of bread. What kind of bread? Uh, is it sourdough bread? Oh, I'm trying to think of a, a chair pun. So, uh, no, nothing, nothing. Seated loaf? Seated Ooh. loaf. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, Brad. <laughs> Are we really ready to compete? That was a really shit joke. I think, I think it was... Hey, I had nothing. So. Are we really ready to compete in the Champions League? Possible strengths yes. or weaknesses in the squad? Bradley with a strong yes. The depth is the only problem. Like the qualitative depth is the only problem. We led this Premier League season for 93% of it. We were on 90 point pace until we lost, you know, our only functioning right centre back. And then our right back cover. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I don't see how this is. 
people saying that we're going to struggle to get top four next season. And people are saying that we're going to crash out. I don't understand it. There's there's a real cognitive... It, it 100% comes from exactly what you've said before in that people just don't want to admit that they were wrong about Arteta. So they still think we're going to turn shit. Look at the football that we played at the start of this season and tell me that we're not going to walk over some of these teams. Pretty sure that was your point <laughs> that I might have stolen. <laughs> now you've repurposed. Um, yeah, no, I think... I think um, I think, right, yeah, I mean, it's it's bizarre. I think realistically, the, the thing that I always think about with that is like, right, okay, y- y- you can have, and we're not going to go down that road, but, you know, you can have certain pundits saying certain things about certain clubs. And then, but I always think, okay, but when, when you actually watch the game, who is dominating the game? Who is dominate? Who is making the most big chances? And it, okay, oh, position doesn't matter. Okay, who's had the most big chances? Who's created the most XG? But whatever metric you slice, Arsenal were the second best team last season. So what's going to happen? Is it just going to fall off? Like it, it, I don't get it. It's 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 completely bizarre, and it's from people who ultimately analyze narratives and analyze results rather than analyzing actual performances because they don't use their eyes. And you have to you have to look at the fact that one of the only reasons we capitulated at the end of last season is because we had two major injuries in the space of a single game. If Tommy Asu doesn't get injured in the way that he does, Arsenal have a much stronger end to the season and I think are much more likely to have won this league. Even if Saliba's out. Because Ben White is a fantastic centre-back. Yeah. I'm going to combine a few questions and talk about... How to Just co- ask me, Rice and Caicedo. <laughs> is it... Are we going to sign Rice and Caicedo, Brad? Are we? Yes. Yes, Eddie Um, told me at the Brazilian barbecue last night. Ah, yeah, he he was he was flipping the burgers and he went. No, I'm not. I don't. I haven't haven't got an Eddie. I haven't. I've not got an Eddie. Um, How do we think? There's a few questions about basically Mikel's change of system, flexibility, whether we'll see certain things. Do we think playing in the Champions League might give Arteta an opportunity? to try some different things. And I think, like, is there a kind of killing a few birds with a few stones type situation here, whatever the phrase is, where the likes of Fabio Vieira and Smith Rowe, who are more, uh, let's say, final action-y than build-up-y in certain games in the Champions League might be more useful and might come into their own in, in those types of game states where we're not necessarily dominating all the time. We're playing against different energies, different teams. You know, I'm imagining a if we're dealing with a very, very strong, you know, Let's use a if we're if we're dealing with Real Madrid in the, in the Champions in a, in a Champions League quarter final, let's say, can we play a different way? And you know, I, I, the th- one one of the big things I want to see from Mikel next season is is an adaptability. The principles need to stay the same. Like that that is always the case. Like I always want to see progress, ball progression. I always want to see the, um, the the football that we've seen this season. But I do want to see a little bit of adaptation in terms of setup. I want to see as to try and work on the counter attack a bit more. I want to see a bit more of a can we play 2-4? Can we sit in a 5-4-1 block? Can we can we change things around to suit our opposition and still and still play well? Um that's one of my big challenges for Mikel. Yeah, and I think we will see that because last not the season just gone but the season before we did see a lot of that. We saw a you know going to the five at the back putting holding in the centre. And we saw sometimes going to a three at the back and having two up front this season with Enketia and Jesus. So I think that there's definitely room for that and more fixtures. Um, and especially, I think the one thing about Europa League is that the the, the kind of, 
condensation is not the right word. The compression of the fixture list really, really affects teams. The condensation of the of the fixture. Because I was thinking condenses, condenses. Um, because no team has ever won the Premier League whilst playing in the Europa League. So there is a there is a real thing when it comes to the the fixture compression and how much it takes out of you. So I I do think we'll see much more innovation because there'll be more trust. There'll also be more quality behind to be able to innovate. It's really difficult to innovate when you don't want to play for what was the first half of this season, anyone else but your first two centre-backs because we didn't have Kivior. So it was basically Gabriel and Saliba or bust or, yeah. or a prayer. No, no, I, I think I think that's right, and if, I think that's why probably why we are looking at a, another centre back on that side because it's like if you don't have that foundation, that frame, you know, and also similar with Partey, if you can have those yep. three, you can sort of play around with the exteriors, you can play around up front, you can play around with different things. I think we'll see, you know, different combinations in midfield. Can we have Smith Rowe in there in the right eight, whatever you know? However, we'll do that and again doesn't have, mean he plays every minute whatever just you know different combinations at different times and I think we will I hope we'll see certain adaptations and I hope that will mean that the likes of Smith Rowe and Vieira can can show what they can do and you know not this I don't believe Smith Rowe will be pushing for a Premier League start next season that's just my opinion um, I'm sure he will be as in you know I don't think he'll start I don't think he'll be selected let's say um, but I I think there's an opportunity in the adaptations and in that competition to see a yeah. bit more um a bit more from them. So hopefully that kind of kills two birds with three stones, whatever I said. Um with forty-five stones. Hamsalytics at Hamsalytics says Fabrizio recently highlighted that the lack of swiftness in Arsenal's approach to their transfer targets has resulted mainly from the owner's end. Do you think that with that current attitude, Arsenal fans can trust the ownership of the Cronkies? And I want to read out what Mikel, what Fabrizio said. Fabrizio on Arsenal on his podcast says that we struggle to get big deals over the line, not because of Edu and Arteta, but because of the owners. Says we need the approval of the Cronkies before getting such deals over the line and therefore we move too slow. Adds timing is key because if we're not fast, other clubs like United, who could have new owners soon, might attack the Rice situation. I mean, where's this information coming from? Well, what I find really bizarre, I mean, yeah, first, first thing, that's a good question. But what I find really bizarre is how does sh- that he can't think he can't think that in good faith that owners having to be questioned about sanctioning multi million pound deals is not how long do you think it takes normal. as well? How <laughs> like also how long do you think it takes as well? Hi Stan, uh, we've we've come to an agreement for Declan Rice. It's probably looking to be about ninety-two million pounds. We've sent over the details. Can you have a look at it? What we're not we're not this isn't this isn't international relations. We're not bro- brokering peace talks. It's so stupid. It's yeah. such a bad faith comment, and it really it's real. It's do you know it's just shitty journalism. It and really almost, is. I mean, Declan Rice basically confirmed that clubs are interested. One of which is Arsenal. It's like the the you know, almost from the horse's mouth that this has been being being discussed for a long time. What you think that Stan Kroenke just doesn't know about it? He's he's just like yeah, one one day, not, like, Stan Kroenke wakes up, goes on Twitter, and he's like, "Oh, we're we're in for Rice, are we?" <laughs> yeah. Arteta and Edu decided. You know what? We're going to negotiate the whole deal. We'll have it all set up before we even talk to the owner. Of course, the. Of course, they've already had the conversation, you silly twit. 
I don't know exactly what he said, but that's what was reported. But yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird one. Like I don't understand the idea that at other clubs it moves quicker because the owners are more like respon like responsive. Like what? I don't understand that. I don't. Stan Kroenke doesn't reply on WhatsApp. Is what he's saying. Yeah, he just blue ticks everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't got your blue ticks on. No, no. Why is that? Because too cool. I like to ignore people sometimes, oh, but I don't want them to know they're being ignored. <laughs> sweet. I wish there was an option on WhatsApp where you could read something and then, like, if you had your t blue ticks on, but then un just unblue tick them. As in, so you can't, so some people, like, know you've seen the message. Yes. Yeah. Like, I yeah, turn I've it seen on for it. some people. Yeah. Like, you t it's all, no, but on the message, you're like, you can, you know, the way you like, you click on the message and then you can go, like, unblue tick or, like, unread yeah. or whatever. But you, so you know you need to come back to it. But they don't know you've read it. Do you know what I mean? I, I wish you yeah. could do that. Anyway, uh, I'll just send that over to Mark Zuckerberg. Shap Erdegaard, who is actually our friend Piers. Oh, hello, Piers. The drastic change in our performance at set pieces was notable after the World Cup. Do you think this is more of a fan led worry, or do you think we should be looking to change our set piece coach? Um,. I don't think we should be looking to change because I think we've had a lot of success recently. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, I think we'd have to actually, it'd be really interesting topic for us to actually deep dive and look at the statistics of pre and post World Cup because... I know them. Do you want them? Yes, We didn't please. concede a goal from a set piece before the World Cup. We then conceded something like three and four games. It was like that Brentford-Everton run, that period there. Yeah. Personally, I think uh, I said this a few times. I think it's down to it's very soft factory to say concentration. But when you when you watch the goals that we've conceded, they often come when we're we've had a period of pressure. Then we have to go back and defend a corner, and it's essentially a yeah. player not being intense enough. And you, you, on every single one, you can be like, "Well, why is Erdegaard on Tarkovsky or whatever?" Like you're yeah, fine, but it just feels like a player is attacking the ball. And we're not interested in defending a corner. That's how I read it, which maybe I'm sure is probably not true. And I'm sure there's someone who actually understands set pieces and can explain no, this, that, and the other. But from what I've seen, I just look at it and I think, it do we does that team who are in the ascendancy, you know, making chances, want to score, trying to get up the other end and get a goal, do they really want to be back there defending a set piece? Probably not. Do you know what I mean? And I feel yeah, like maybe there's a not. bit of it that we just don't love defending. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, definitely could be the case I, 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 we're not in the room I just I don't think there's any need for upheaval no no and and by the way clearly uh, Nicola Yeover is a very smart guy and you know has, has, has you know and this is the thing with like you can't just the moment something starts to go wrong with someone when they've got a lot of potential just write them off and go well that's it you're done it's like you've got to allow for people to become the people that you expect them to be they have to go through difficult periods and work out yeah. the best way of 100 fixing it same same with arteta you know there was clearly a, a there's clearly a, a huge difficult period oh my god yeah, yeah. I mean, as you know <laughs> as i know as i you, was very depressed as your blood pressure knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> that man knocked years off of my lifespan. Certainly did. Question and I love him for it. Question from Wolf AFC. If you could sign any player, and he put in brackets, reasonable, <laughs> that we haven't been linked with, who would it be and why? And I said, is Mbappe reasonable? And he said, no. 
Um, Honestly, uh, it will be Declan Rice, listen, but like you know, yeah, that we have a middling with. De- um, I really like Fede Valverde at Madrid, and I think that it's one of those things that if if the right chess pieces move, he is a player that could become available, but it would take an awful lot of money. So I think that from the money point of view, it's it's unreasonable. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think, um, trying to think of like where we need players. Where do we, where do we need? Cause it's not a particular, I'd like to be fair. I'm going to bang the Solly March drum. I think he'd be great on the right hand side as an analog. To Can I say something funny? Yeah. We've had another question from AFC Amir. He said, is there a winger out there you guys rate and think we can feasibly get? I know Bradley will say Solly March. <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely. Um, or, I mean, there's another guy in in France who, because for some reason, I just like to squad build in my spare time, called Ludovic Blas, who also looks quite good. Uh, he's a young guy. Ludovic what? Ludovic Blas, B-L-A-S. I found him because he scored a goal against me in Football Manager, and then I watched some comps of him, and he looks quite good. And his numbers, like his shot numbers per 90 are great. Um, he's oh wait no he's much older than I he's he's twenty five oh he's he over the hill that. <laughs> no but as in I thought he was I thought he was oh, like twenty but oh yeah and his contract's expiring in a year he's had a decent enough campaign in okay. in in Liga I wouldn't mind us signing a profile like that like an unknown to cover Saka on the wing um, yeah that that kind of real it's difficult what's realistic and what isn't. Osimhen is realistic. Yeah. It yeah. could happen. This is the thing. Like, it's like actually, if, if if we if we if you look at Arsenal right now, what's unrealistic? Okay, anyone at Manchester City, most people at Madrid, probably there'd probably be a few offcuts like a Valverde if the right pieces move. But other than those two clubs and obviously the kind of rivalries within England, there's no player I think of really that I go that is an unattainable target yeah. for Arsenal. It, when Grealish was moving, Grealish was an unattainable target for Arsenal. If Grealish was moving this summer, he would not be unattainable. Yeah. And I guess it's about, it's like the, the someone like an awesome man, the, you'd have to sacrifice a lot, but that's not the same as in being unattainable. It's like how much do you, it's yeah. like how much of your budget you want to spend on something, right? Like you'd have to spend yeah. a lot of your budget and that's what you have to do. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. I, we, I'll sort of combine this with another question from uh, AFC Amir that we mentioned. Hi, guys. We can all agree the priority of this summer window is to revamp the midfield. However, we've lacked an analogous pro- analogous analogous profile who can rotate with Saka for some time. And yeah, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, th- I think there's got to be a profile out there of a... Unless you believe... You know, there's, there's another option. You could sign a sort of more... The profile that I mentioned before about the, the striker, you know, and then have Jesus sharing minutes with Saka out wide. I think that could work. I think Jesus could do have a decent, be a decent analog to Saka. Is Cozy Dubri that guy? But I wonder whether there's a space. Maybe it might be a January signing. Um, see how Cozy Dubri develops. See how Jesus does out there in a couple of games for a kind of right-sided player who is you know is there is it a nico williams i don't know if he's he's left-footed but you know is it so, someone in that ilk you know someone an up-and-coming young winger um but it's tricky though listen with, with saka isn't it I've because not... ultimately he is like yeah everyone coming in 
as a right-sided player, knows they're behind Saka. Because he's and knows they're not going to play yeah, the majority of the which minutes. Which is why I would prefer it to be someone who can play in other positions who can go out there. And, and maybe that's why Jesus is the guy, because he offers the... The ability to roll his man, he's less good 1v1, but he can receive out wide well, he can progress, um, he's got the sort of dexterity, he's got the sort of quality in the box. So, I don't know. Mbappe. I've just stumbled onto another winger called Armand Loriente. Pretty good stats. Looks good. Let's sign him. <laughs> Why aren't you signing him, Edu? Why haven't you done it, Edu? I found the one FB ref. His numbers are green. Fucking do it, <laughs> yeah, you mug. Yeah. His numbers are green and all the way to the right. You're an idiot. <laughs> Why haven't you signed him? Um, okay. Uh, Ibra Guna says, Tomiyasu's importance to the team, uh, especially depth at the back. Discuss. Uh, I think he's becoming less and less important. I wouldn't be surprised if next summer he's sold. Ooh. Oh... Oh, especially if we if we look, I think like, you look at a the lucky people that we're looking to bring in. Look at the people that we're looking to bring in. Fresneda plus another right sided centre back. Um, where does that put Tomiyasu? Yes, probably but, left back cover for this season. But, but he'll be left back cover behind Kivior. I I don't just want to put us, us in that conversation constantly, but they are the benchmark. If you look at City, they have. Basically, a, a, a stable of defenders who can all do different things and different roles, and I think Tomiyasu yeah. is it could be a very important part of that in terms of his flexibility across the back line. In terms of he's a little obviously a little bit weaker on his left foot, but he has got a left foot. I think when you're dealing with a, a winger who cuts inside, say a Salah, I think Tomiyasu is almost perfect. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think I think Tomiyasu has a role to play. I don't know. When he first came in, you're thinking, okay, this is our right back. But, you know, even just our thinking has evolved since then in terms of how we approach it. In terms of, you know, players being the right back for the next five, ten years is just not the way things are going to work anymore. Um, So, yeah, I don't don't know what Tommy has to Again, he was so good and he's so good 1v1. Like, I, I would back him, I would back him 1v1 against over all of our players, maybe apart from Saliba. So that's a, an amazing quality when you when you're especially when you're playing the Champions League and you're facing really tricky wingers you know often these these younger teams and yeah often I think youngest team, the teams in in other leagues you often find they they have like a a tricky winger like it's all it's always there's always a tricky winger somewhere in a in a in a trapson spore do you know what I mean there's always someone and having a Tomiyasu who can lock that player up especially when our especially our other left back and our Potentially, you know, with Garcedo we, on the right-hand side could be um, more of an inverter. I think it's a really good option. But again, it, this is the thing. It's, it's, there's no way of being definite about Tomiyasu because I don't think he starts. No. But the, the, you know, but the moment there's, a, there's an injury to Ben... You know, at the end of last season, say Tomiyasu had stayed fit, we could be having a very different conversation about Tomiyasu and about Arsenal right now. Do you know what oh I mean? yeah, 100%. No, 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 it's what I said earlier. I think if Tommy Asu doesn't get that injury against Sporting, yeah, yeah. we're way more likely to have won the league. The capitulation doesn't happen as much. Mm. Oh, God. Question from Michael Nkansa. <laughs> 
How will Tekka's guru affect our strikers? <laughs> have you seen this? No. There's a guy... They will have more tech. There's a guy called Tekka's guru, who I think played for Hashtag United, who supposedly has come in and is our attacking phase coach. This is the modern era. Can you imagine saying that to, like, Alex Ferguson in 1986? <laughs> uh, Sir Alex, um, I've got a man at the door. He's called Tekka's guru. He wants to. He wants to be your attacking phase coach. Fuck off. I'm. I'm currently. Are you looking him up? Yeah. X hashtag United scar. It's. It's yeah. I, it's a. It's a. It's a weird one. Uh, we've got a question in from Makumi Wanjohi. Uh, Makumi Wanjohi says, "Discuss KSE, please." He's also he's he's literally he's literally got out his notepad and sent us a a, a, a long question which I'm gonna I'm gonna read. They're on the brink of first time success with the Nuggets. Had a very Arsenal analogous transformation. Favorite word of our listeners today is analogous transformation of the Rams in the last three seasons. The MLS franchise also won uh, a cup in the recent past. Uh, Josh, who's a former NCAA basketball uh, is he, has taken over the lead role across the group. I think also they want something in ice hockey. They might have, yeah. Could, like the Stanley Cup or something. The evidence points to new architecture, more aligned, innovative staff, more success trajectories across the group. Have they upscaled their strategy? I don't mind Arsenal being regarded as the flagship franchise if they aggressively work to add value. And yeah, I think something that is possibly going under the radar with KSE is who they got. They got the LA Rams, the Nuggets, Colorado Avalanche, who are an ice hockey team, who, yeah, I think did did win something. They got Colorado Mammoth, who are a... Sorry, no, Colorado Rapids, who are a MLS team. I don't think they're doing as well. But across their sports, they're doing pretty well. Doing pretty good. Let me try and find... Um, I'm trying to find, like, a, a list of honours, but I don't think that quite works like that. Anyway, yeah, I think... Um, oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, so the Rams um, won the championship in 2021 and the conference championships and the league championship. I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> I have no clue about American sports, but... They won what many it, championships. Dude, they won and they, so much they championships. They played so many games and they won so much champions college. and championship i'm going to college football. class what class is this the rapids uh won god our american listeners must fucking hate us they won something in 2010 i'm so clueless i'm so sorry to all of our american oh, oh no 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 i'm clear i'm gonna stop doing this because i literally have no clue what i'm doing i'm just looking through words that i don't understand <laughs> the colorado rapids won the championship in the playoff dude that's how American sports sounds to me. They're just like playoffs, quarter, back, <laughs> repeat. <laughs> but there was a serious point here. What were we trying to say? Yes, I think there's a there's a kind of um, what's the word? There is a pattern here of the Cronkies taking over sports companies, and I think this is something that like doesn't get mentioned enough. The fact that they only took over in 2018, and since then we've been spending a lot. I, I don't, I don't mm. really hear Arsenal fans saying spend some fucking money anymore, but it is something that we like financially. And this goes back to like the, you know, obviously everything goes back to the transfer market, but this is something that people think like, oh, well, Arsenal would never be in for an Osman. I think we have the money. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I genuinely do. So it's about priorities. And, and this is why it's so exciting this summer with, like, rice. Especially for next summer. Because if we do good business this summer with, say, those five positions I mentioned earlier, there's no reason why... I mean, after that, if you look at the squad, barring big departures... The only two places we then maybe look thin or weak is centre forward and left back. Yeah, I, th- I think I think probably the after say we get you know the five that we want the, the rice cross header and whatever, and you know one or two of them won't work out. Then I think we're probably looking at the the marquee centre forward in twenty twenty four, and then yeah, I think we're looking at refreshing rather than rather than huge upgrades. Yep. It's exciting. It's really exciting. It really is, and we're going to do the. We're going to win the playoffs. <laughs> we're going to win the the playoff to the to the conference champions. Final Cup final championship question. league. Uh, what do you think of pesto with rice? I've never tried never it. Tried that it. sounds terrible. It really that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like it'd go. Each to their own, I guess. Each to their own. Um, I'm not judging. You are. At all. I am. Bradley, completely. we've just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. The theme last week was Andre Arshavin. And I asked you, what shirt number did Andre Arshavin wear for Arsenal? 23. Bang on. Very good. Yeah. Last week you went easy. So easy. Easy. God. Easy. So easy. I l- I loved Arshavin when he played for us. What a player. And the theme for this week was shirt numbers. Cracking player. The game. Name the last five number 12s for Arsenal. I would like you this week, in your shirt numbers, to name the last five number 12s for Arsenal. The last five players who wore the number 12 for Arsenal. And a theme, please, Bradley Scrapples. Um, we are going to do Edu because he's come under a lot of talk and such. So it seems topical. He's come under the first a lot of popped. talk. I was going to say fire, but has he? Should he? Don't you just hate it when yeah. you come under a lot of talk? Oh, you and you're getting it. all that condensation. It's just... <laughs> Darling, listen. You're hungover. <laughs> The, the ap- words aren't wording. The Aperol the Spritz is, is seeping it's out your It's coming out of my eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plans for us today? Uh, nothing much. Just chilling. Go to the cinema after this. What are you watching? The Boogeyman. Is that a horror film? Yes. I hate horror films. Absolutely There's nothing them. else on. Absolutely hate them. What's Why? the point? Do they scare you? Yeah, do they, they do. Do they make you Absolutely do. Yeah, they make me quiver like a little child. Yeah. But I love that. That's the thing. Like, I get such an adrenaline rush from it. Why would you pay to be scared? I was scared enough of my childhood. Uh, right. <laughs> I've been through enough generational trauma, thank you. I've been through enough. I just got off the plane from Ecuador. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, pleasure as always. We'll have a bonus podcast for you pleasure. later on in the week for our lovely patrons. Um, anything else you want to say, Brad? Peace and love to all. Peace and love to all. To all a good night. Thanks as always for listening. Don't lose your heads. We'll see you next right. week. And I, I'm 
if it, I think uh, Charles Watts said this, but I also believe this. If we haven't seen some some significant uh, rice on the stove, I would be, I'd be pretty upset. Hacking it. I'd be pretty upset. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at Diffknock. Thanks. Podcast Network.